This is Tamika Jackson, and you're listening to Yeah, You're Right. This is episode 14. Let's get to the questions. All right. The first question that we have, and I've been answering questions from different people around think around coaching, around personal things. And so we have, you know, some interesting questions today. And tomorrow I'm actually gonna do the coaching. So if you're interested in coaching, I would really, really, really suggest that you come on and make sure that you are letting me know so I know that you're interested and we can set it up. Okay. Let's do it. First question. How can you communicate to your partner that you have to set boundaries in a respectful way, such as putting you first? That's a good, good, good question. Um, it's funny because I actually wanted to talk about this, this idea of setting boundaries, but also the idea of making sure that you are communicating. So I'm going to read the question again because it's a good question. The question says, how can you communicate to your partner that you have to set boundaries in a respectful way, such as putting you first? So I'm going to tell you a story and I'm going to answer the question, right? So I have struggled previously in this area, not just with partners, but just period, right? And one of the things I always ask myself, is this person going to be able to receive this? That's, you know, that's my question. And so this could go one of two ways, depending on you as the individual. I'm asking myself this question because if you're, an, if this is a partner or this is somebody you know, for the most part, for the most part, you may think that you have a guide or an idea about how they're going to react. So you can say to yourself, I'm not going to say this to this person because I know how they're going to react. I know how they're going to respond to this, right? So that's one way that I think we psych ourselves out. And I, I have done this. I have definitely psyched myself out of having some really tough conversations because I'm like, I know how they're going to respond. And then once they respond this way, it's going to be X, Y, and Z, right? So the other way is that you can approach this is you just have the conversation. However, one of the things that I think has been really useful for me is before I have the conversation with someone, role-playing the conversation with somebody else, right? This is a neutral party. This is a neutral party that's not about taking sides, you know, because I think, you know, we definitely, when something happens, we definitely want to talk to somebody that can understand. And for the most part, that's going to take our side. We don't really want to talk to somebody that's going to play devil's advocate and be like, well, maybe you should think it's just like, no, I don't really want to talk to you about this. Like, I want to talk to somebody that is going to understand where I'm coming from around this thing, right? So that's our tendency. But then again, like when we think about it in a deeper, you know, in a, in a little bit deeper as you begin to mature and as you begin to really look at relationships and partnerships and things like that, it's just like, what is the outcome that you want to have? You want it to be a good outcome. You want it to be a situation where you are able to share who you are. They can share. You want it to be healthy. Let's put it that way, healthy, right? And so because you want it to be healthy, you're willing to put in the work that comes with being healthy. And sometimes, most of the time, that work is you got to deal with you first. It always starts with you, right? So 
to answer your question, how can you communicate to your partner that you have set boundaries in a, in, a, in a respectful way, such as putting you first? I would, in, in this case, I would actually role play that conversation with somebody. That can be a counselor. That can be a coach. That can be a trusted friend. That can be somebody that, again, that you trust enough that is going to be able to tell you the truth as well, right? And again, in a respectful way. So for instance, I had to say something to a colleague of mine, right? And I was just like, I'm going to tell him. But I was upset. Like I was in my emotions. And I was like, this is how I'm going to say it. And I felt justified in how I wanted to say it. And I wanted it to come out that way because I wanted it to be clear that I didn't like it. So you, you hear what I'm saying? I wanted <laughs> to say how I wanted to say it because I wanted it to be clear that I didn't like it. And I wanted them to know that I didn't like it. And I wanted them to see my emotions, right? Now, check this. Let's go deeper. Why did I want to do that? Hmm. One way that, you know, one of the things about me is one way that, like, they can get under my skin quickly is when people try to undermine my intelligence, when I feel like people are trying to walk over me, when I feel, you, you see what I'm saying? So I want to be very clear because I got walked over when I was 14 and people just kept playing with. You, you see what I'm doing? I'm pulling up emotions from before, from my past, when I was younger and when I felt like people took advantage of me and when people played me and when people made fun of me. And therefore, in my adult years, I want to make it crystal clear. To any and everybody that you're not going to take advantage of me. You're not going to walk over me. You see, do you see what I'm doing? I'm taking out all of that emotion. Cause again, the same thing can happen to somebody else and they're like, nah. And you're like, what? Like you're ready to fight. You're ready to fight. So what I'm saying is you got to go to the root of why you want to respond a certain way. And you have to deal with that. Because this is what's going to happen when you approach your partner or when you approach this this person this that you're in a relationship with to set boundaries in a respectful way. Let's say they don't respond in the way you think that they should respond. What you going to do? Right. You Is it going to be automatic like, oh, oh, OK. <laughs> what you going to do? What are you going to do? And so I think that's the thing. Right. Is you got to deal with you first. So role play, have somebody role play where they respond the way you think they should respond. Have them role play where they respond with the, in, the, in, the, in the wrong way, right? In the way that's going to trigger you. What is your response? And so role play that out. Have them, hopefully they can give you suggestions and how you can even see it from their perspective. And again, we want to make sure that we're right. Don't get me wrong. Like we want to, we want to be like, no, I'm right. And the thing is, you may be right. You may be right. But in their eyes, they can also be right too. And so the question is, are you going to be okay? Like there's some people that's just like, I'm right. I'm right. I know I'm right. Okay. You're right. But if the other person ever sees that you're right or not, are you going to be okay with that? Right. So it's like it's very hard because, again, this goes back to you. So the communicating part, how do you how can you communicate? I would say role play first, role play what you want to say, because you want to be clear about what you want to say. 
You role play, have them respond. The person that you're role playing with, have them respond in a positive, negative, or neutral way. And then you go through the emotions of how you respond. I actually suggest you do this with a coach or somebody that, or a counselor or somebody that is mature enough to be able to do this stuff with you, right? Because you want to be able to go through your emotions as to why you feel like you need to communicate, right? And how you need to communicate, right? And what's not product, what's not productive communication, because I can tell you, now, the minute you start yelling, you might as well just stop the conversation. Anything after emotions are involved, and some people are smooth criminals. They don't have to yell. They can cut you with their voice just like this. And it's and, and, and they know it, <laughs> and you know it. You just know you know you're bleeding. And you like, wait, wait, what happened? Right? That's that silent assassin stuff, right? And so again, it's and it's not always and it's it's in the delivery, it's also how you deliver it. And so you have to be very cognizant of that. You have to be very aware of who you are and what your triggers are. And if you see that a conversation is not going the right way, I give you permission to end the conversation. End it. Like, it's, it's this thing, like, sometimes, like, listen, this is not a good time to have this conversation. End the conversation. Because it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. You have to come to a place where you both can hear. And sometimes you may need to get a mediator to be a part of that conversation. A mediator that is like, listen, you know, I hear what you're saying. You're saying, all right, now, what, what what's the goal here? Because sometimes you have to get people to come together to, for, if they have a common goal, their partners, they, hopefully they have a common goal. And if, if they are, they don't have a common goal. That's another discussion. Like it's a different type of conversation, right? So for instance, this person says like such as putting you first. If you want to put you first, that's going to be hard for any partner to hear. Because sometimes we have these expectations of other people, especially when you talk about a partner or a romantic relationship, that they need to put you first. I can tell you growing up, I had this idea that I was going to have a boyfriend and he was going to put me first. And if he did not put me first, I had no understanding of what that meant. And there was this demand in my head. It was a demand. Like, you need to put me first. And if you're not, you're not a good boyfriend. Like, it was that sort of notion. Like, I didn't understand because I also grew up. One, I didn't have a father in my life. Two, I also grew up with this, like, twisted way of thinking about a relationship. Right? And the truth of the matter is I can't sit there and hold this expectation on a romantic partner that they're going to put me first. And without putting themselves first, because you want to know why? How can I sit there and say you're going to put me first and you're not dealing with yourself? Because what I what I want in a partner now, what I want in a partner is somebody that is grounded, somebody that is like stable within themselves. Right. I don't need I don't need crazy. You you don't need crazy either. Right. You don't need somebody that's just like not together, like just mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like all of that. You don't want that. You want to know why? Because when they're that way, they bring that to you. So you can't be mentally, spiritually, emotionally grounded and you're with somebody that's not. You can be, but it's a roller coaster all the time. All the time. I don't know about you, but when you think about inviting things into, and people into your life, imagine having a conversation with a partner. Sometimes I'm putting them, putting you first. You want to? I want to put me first. Talking to somebody that doesn't put themselves first. They. That is not going to go well. <laughs> like this, it's a, it's a, So again, you really have to get to the root of some of this stuff. Because again, the expectation of partners 
You have to even go back to establish that. What are the, what are the expectations that you expect from me, especially in a romantic relationship, in any relationship, but in a romantic one, you live, especially if you're living together or whatever the case, you're married, like all of that. Oh my gosh, like you gotta be crystal clear around some of this stuff because people they bring their different expectations. They want the woman to be everything that their mom wasn't, or they want the man to be, you know all of these things and take care of everything like i was watching this tv show love is blind and the one woman she was like i want to be a housewife now imagine if he was the type of man that was just like oh i I thought we would all work not because he didn't have the money but it's just this notion of he grew up with the expectation that everybody in the house work right so then that's not gonna work (laughs) like that's not gonna work right and also understanding your worldview i come from a place where everybody works Right. So, you know, like, again, but I was also raised by a single mother. That's what I saw. I saw people working. I saw people that were retired, but even in their retirement, they were still working. You know, so that's my mindset when looking at stuff like that. So even when she said she wanted to be a housewife, when I tell you in my head, I had no recollection, no recollection of what she's talking about. I said, she want to be a housewife. You know, like what? Like she want to be a housewife. That's foreign to me. And so, again, I'm not I'm not saying this as a judgment to her. I'm saying that that was my that was my first initial thought. And I'm just like, that's the life she wanna live. And you know what? What I say, what you believe is what you will have, right? So there you go. Hopefully that was helpful. Okay. What are some essentials you recommend for mentoring a college student as you being an executive leader? So that's, okay, this is a good one. What are some essentials you recommend for mentoring a college student as you being an executive leader? So let's just back up to a college student. A college student, there are different phases of being a college student. There is the freshman phase where you're just like, college, wow. Like, you know, they call it freshman 15 for a reason. Most freshmen wild out. You know, most some are really diligent. They really, you know, work on they they they're in a fraternity or sorority or whatever. Like that's what they're doing, right? As a freshman, so you have to think about the different phases that a college student is, has gone through, right? But you also and you have to recognize who they are. What are some essentials you recommend for mentoring a college student? You have to understand the type of college student that you're dealing with. Right. That matters on so many different levels, because if you being an executive leader, you already have a a limited amount of time and energy that you're going to pour into somebody. And so, again, mentoring may be in phases, too. So mentoring as an as if you're an executive leader, and you're mentoring a college student. If they're a freshman, that mentoring, for the most part, may be simple suggestions, maybe monthly emails and care packages. That's freshman sort of stuff. That may be a part. It depends on who the who the student is, right? If they're a sophomore where they're solidifying their major and that's an area where you can help, you may want to pro- provide some guidance, but there's still some sort of like hands-off, again, a care package once or twice. It may be providing an opportunity for them to meet or come to your job or meet different people just to give them some exposure in the business. It may mean a internship or an externship or a fellowship during the summer after their sophomore year. Junior year, 
depending on the type of person you're dealing with. Hopefully they're heavily in their major. Hopefully they are somebody that is committed. They are diligent. They're doing the work that's necessary to be successful. So that means that that mentorship may look different. It may not necessarily involve care packages, which it might still, but it also may be some phone calls. Like let's say you're having sessions that you set aside just like you would do with anybody else, right? You would set aside some sessions where you're doing it. You may even want to go to group sessions, right? Maybe it's a few people and, you know, especially in this quarantine world, some group sessions where it's a group of people that are like-minded, like this this individual that will, you because you're mentoring this person, but you can mentor other people because what they're going to do, hopefully, if you have a good group, they're going to hold each other accountable. They're going to go together in clicks. They're going to graduate on time. You know what I mean? Like they're going to like do this. And so the more people you can get to rally around this person and if they're on track, that's perfect, right? Because you can't be there, but what you can do is provide guidance. So it may be more hands-on guidance and more guidance to get them to where they need to see what it is that they want to do and how to look for the future and posture themselves for their junior and senior year to make sure that when they graduate out of college, they are entering into a job of some sort, right? Senior year is a little different. That is where you you definitely want to, you know, again, because you're an executive leader, you do not have the time. But if they have done and followed your guidance up until that senior year, then that means it's a little bit easier. You want to start really doubling down on it may so it may not be every month it may be twice a uh, twice a month or something like that where you have check-in points where you're guiding them you're introducing them you're you know having them go different places you're going with them if you have the time and so that it goes in phases. It shouldn't be like this all out assault. It shouldn't be anything like that. You want to make sure hopefully they have a group with them. What that looks like. You want to show them, you know, your world. Because the thing with college is a lot of times what a college student has seen is what they have seen in their families and their culture where they grew up. And depending on what that is, that may be big or small, but you, what you want to do is expose, junior, senior year, you want to expose them to something else. You want to expose them to the possibilities of your world, the world beyond your world. You want to give them options so they can see, like, so they can, they can dream and imagine outside of anything that they have ever thought. Right. So that I think those things go in phases and they they take time. That's an investment. Right. And as a as an executive leader, it matters because when people come and they say, well, I want you to mentor me or this. That's a big deal. Right. And I say I say to people all the time, don't take things like that lightly and don't let anybody just mentor you. So it's, it's twofold. Don't let anybody just mentor you and you don't just mentor everybody. Right. Because it matters. Right. When you're taking your time, time is money. Time is energy. When you're taking your time, really pouring into people again, you know, you don't want to give your pearls to swine. So that's what I'm saying. It matters who that student is and what type of student that is, because if they're not doing the things that they need to do, what you're doing is enabling poor behavior and you're wasting your time. And it's not that seeds aren't planted, but you want to plant seeds 
when you have time to plant seeds. You don't want to sit here and pour all this time planting seeds and you're not getting a return. And not even a return because you get no return with mentoring, right? The return is you see this person be the best person that they can be and know that you have gone the path that you've gone to help somebody else come along. That's not really, that, that doesn't benefit you in any way besides, you know, it makes you feel good that you were able to help other people, right? But what you don't want is to do that for people that don't value it, where there are people that would love to be mentored. There are people that that pray for I'm, I'm one of those people that pray for mentors, people to help guide me and show me the way and open doors and expose me to things I never knew about. Right. So it matters. Number three, how do you respond to people who are stuck in the past? That's a good question. I would say if they're stuck in the past, what's happened is, Kristen's talked about it, it's this thing where you're on a loop. You're just, oh, it's just a, it's literally hitting it's something on replay over and over and over again, right? So there needs to be a disruption. Something needs to happen where there's a disruption. Whether they make the disruption or a life makes a disruption, there it needs to be some a disruption to this loop. If you're stuck in the past, you got to deal with it. If not, you just keep going back and forth over and over, right? It's this thing. And you got, it has to be an interruption needs to happen for that to stop. So how do you respond to people stuck in the past? Unfortunately, until they deal, until they deal with where they are, right? This, the very little that you can do about it. Unfortunately, what you can do is try to be the disruptor or the interrupter. And again, some people take that and they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Right. And sometimes I'll be honest with you. And this is probably not the coaching response, but sometimes you got to pray for people. Like, because again, I, I was just having a conversation earlier and I was saying to saying to the person, I sometimes take the route that God can speak to people much better than I can. Because sometimes that, that that thing that you're trying to address, it goes, it's so much bigger than you. It's because if they're stuck there, that that's big. That's huge, right? So how do you respond to them? I think you deal it with you deal with it with truth. So they're, you know, saying, well, this happened and da 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 da. It's just like, okay, I just it's so funny, I just ran into this the other day. And I kept dealing with truth. I'm like, but this has not happened during this time. And I have to be very honest, and like, and I'm not gonna lie, it bothers me because I'm just like, we are, so you're living here, right? So you stay here, but we're here, right? So it's just like, I'm like, what do you, you know, like, I didn't understand. It actually just took me off guard because they, it was like this thing where they were just living in this realm of like, well, this is, this happened, this happened. I'm like, it didn't happen here. It didn't happen while I'm here. Like, so what, like, what are we talking about? But also understanding their trauma. So addressing it, yes, this did happen. But give them facts, give them data. This happened here. But since that time, this, this, and this has happened. Because you have to combat stuff with truth, right? So it's not, what they're saying, not that it's not true. It is true, right? But then now, let's deal with what is right now. And then you can even put the question on them, depending on what it is or what we're talking about, right? So name a time within this time that that has happened. Oh, there is no time. Okay, so then how do we move forward? But this happened here, right? But name the time. And again, it may just be constantly, constantly addressing people with truth. Because this happened there, but that's something you're like, you're living in the past. The, what happened here during this time? How do you deal with that? 
and then put it back on them. Like tell them to tell you the story of this time, the truth that, that, that you're with the facts that you're presenting. That matters. Fourth question is, am I standing in my own way? That's a resounding yes. <laughs> a, I don't even have to ask for clarification. I don't even remember who wrote this question. Am I standing in my own way? That's a yes. <laughs> yeah, you are definitely standing in your own way. If you want to do anything, nobody can stand in your way. I'm a firm believer in that. Remember, I told you I have a podcast. My podcast is called Yeah, You're Right. And the thing about that is you are absolutely right. Whatever you believe can happen or whatever you don't believe can happen, you are absolutely right. Nobody can determine your life but you. I have up here on my wall, it says your life is up to you. Your life. Nobody can determine what your life is. Nobody has that much power outside of God. And he's not a body. So that's why I'm saying this. Nobody has that much power outside of God. Nobody. So you determine your own life. Nobody determines that for you. You decide. Fear is a choice. Success is a choice. Failure is a choice. These things are up to you. So the question is, am I standing in my own way? 10 times out of 10, you are standing in your own way. If your community is a place where you are not able to thrive, you need to change communities. If your culture or your friends or whatever, then you need to make a decision. Nobody can make that decision for you unless you're a child and you are bound to doing other things. But there are decisions in your life, many decisions in your life that you need to make, right? You have the power to make them. And the question is, so am I standing in my own way? Yes, you are standing in your own way. Yes. And you put insert anything that you're trying to do. If you're saying, I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. Remember, I keep talking about this term in coaching, in the coaching world. It's called massive action. Massive action is you keep doing and aiming to achieve a goal until you achieve the goal. You never stop. You don't keep doing the same thing. You may have to change up strategies, but you never stop doing it until you achieve the goal. That's a massive action. Massive. You just keep going, keep going, keep going. So yes, the answer is you are standing in your own way. All right. Last question is, I really want to go out. Should I? <laughs> This is funny because I'm one of those people that's like, I really just want to go to the store. I really just want to go out. The truth of the matter is this. The more you put you put yourself in a place, in a vulnerable place to be exposed to this virus, the more you put yourself in danger. That's it. So somebody put an image on Facebook, or I think it was Facebook, and it said, I don't know if any Walking Dead fans are... I'm a Walking Dead fan. So I feel like this is literally The Walking Dead. But somebody said, every time I go outside to go to the store, I feel like I'm a runner in The Walking Dead. You know, I'm, I'm making a run for The Walking Dead. I was like, it's true. Like when you go outside, you have to have gloves. You have to have on this armor. You have to, you know, in The Walking Dead, they had to have guns and all this other stuff. Like they had to be prepared to fight. 
Because in essence, that is exactly what you're doing. You're going outside to basically, and if you are not armored and if you are not prepared and you're not taking the proper precautions, you are putting yourself in danger. So yes, to answer that question, I really want to go outside. Should I? The answer is probably not. I would say if you need to go outside, you need to make sure that you are properly covered and you're taking the proper precautions. That includes even when you're receiving deliveries and groceries and things like that, you're wiping that stuff down. It seems like extra. And I'm talking from experience. I feel like I was like, oh my God, I got to wipe it down. I got to do this. I got to do that. Yes, people are dying. I just watched Ellen do an interview with Pink and her three-year-old son had the virus. She had the virus. People are getting sick and people are dying. People are not surviving this virus. They are not. People are, I don't want to be morbid and I don't want to end this on a, in this like sad note, but it's a reality. Like this thing is serious. And I literally, everybody that's been impacted by this virus, you hear them. They are saying the same thing. They're saying, take this seriously. That's what they're saying. Like every single person is like, take it seriously. It can happen to you. And yes, you have to go through these precautions. So if you must go outside, and I mean you must, like you must go outside. If you must go outside, make sure you're taking the proper precautions. If you do not have to go outside, do not go outside. I hope I answered that question for you. And that is all the questions that I have. Thank you for participating. And this is what, four days of answering questions from a coach and leadership perspective. I really appreciate you. This has been amazing. Thank you for listening to, yeah, you're right. We'll see you next week.